Hello and welcome to On Landscape. I'm sitting here with Paula Paul Johnson and Joe Cornish, uh, who are just passing through uh, Glencoe. Uh, As you do. And we had a wonderful night last night, uh, a meal at the Glencoe gathering, and we were, we were blessed with a rather fabulous sunset, really? if slightly midgy. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it, to be able to walk out of the restaurant, and literally, um. and down to, to Lockside across that that beautiful swathe of uh, silt marsh and, mm. uh, and see the sky in, it's always unique, isn't it? But yeah, it was <laughs> True, absolutely yeah. stunning. Truly blessed. There it was mm. poured with rain through our whole meal, I think. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm flustered by that. Got into the car park and there we were. And we've had the idea of sitting down and uh, chatting about the, possibly a few topics, but the state of the industry. There's Paula knows a little bit about the photographic industry. <laughs> one-sided. Yeah. That's one uh, side of the industry. And, and we've got some information about a couple of new products that mm. are coming out and what relevance they may have to the future. Do, we're going to chat a little bit about um, sensor sizes, megapixels, uh, um, the film uh, usage uh, and cameras. Um, but I think we'll start by asking Paula about this new product that... Is oh, yeah, being released sometime I, soon. Overtook the dinner last night simply with excitement over our mind unit yes. product. And I have to say, it's been a while, I think, since a new product has uh, has has yeah excited me as much. So we're talking about last week the launch of the new. Well, I have to say Hasselblad X1D Mark II, but. Uh, not quite as quickly coming, but hopefully before the end of the year, the new CFV 250C digital back. Um, and I think for so many reasons, this is uh, this really is a game changer. So can um, you describe what that, that is? Uh, yes, let's let's go back to film days and think of our classic, you know, classic Hasselblad 503 and our, our roll film back, and then take that roll film back off the Hasselblad and imagine that with a 50 million pixel sensor in, um, with a rear screen, you know, CMOS chips, so um, live live view, live focus, um, and a tilting screen where you can simply work um, waist level if you want to. Yeah. Um, you just have to Google on YouTube Hasselblad's um, new marketing oh, video. The, the advert was rather rather fabulous in a hipster way. Incredible, you know, it just starts off with playing a vinyl record and it just takes you through the guy grabbing his old old Hasselblad, popping on his new digital back. Uh, what else did we see? Oh yes, getting uh, into his electric car, Mustang. which just happened to be a Mustang. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, a very well uh, yeah. portrayed. And, and, I, and it, I think all of us relate and to that and I think not only us as in our generation uh, who've all known each other for a long time and remember vinyl the first time round and clearly <laughs> still remember film but also for the youngsters who who have who are really coming up who have a passion for these now this has been possible already because there have, we've had medium format backs and you've been able to adapt them to a Hasselblad you've done so in the past with yeah. the phase yeah. um, what's what's special about this that's exciting you then yes yeah, so, okay so well let's even think about obviously this is the mark ii version of the of the Hasselblad digital back and obviously we've got when we've had digital backs for a long time so what's different about this one um this is this is the uh this is the one that appeals aesthetically i mm. think um and certainly 
price-wise. That's will. interesting, isn't it? Yes. Yes. And while the price has not uh, been officially announced, this is for sure going to be a game changer. And yeah. if we think in terms of the new X1D camera uh, as being 4,500, because we have a serious price for that, um, you won't have to differ far to yeah, own this. Which is, which is in the realms of high-end DSLRs. Absolutely. And, and then after that bit of excitement, let's now move on to the 907X that we can put in front of it. Yes. This yes. slim, slim <laughs> body, um, which will then take for starters, X1D lenses. And what have we got? We've got a Hasselblad SWC we can hold in the palm of our hand. Yeah. Um, not even with a fixed lens, but actually, world's your oyster. What do you want to put on the and front of it? It looks like a classic old Hasselblad. Oh, it is just cute. Yeah. The astonishing thing about that design is that it actually looks even slimmer than an SWC. Hasselblad. Mm. Uh, it can take any lens from the X series range. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just the most compact camera, serious camera you can imagine. Probably even more compact than I don't know uh, uh, than an Olympus Micro Four Thirds. Yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, if we think really of this, small. Um, you know, for many years, you know, I'm involved in selling Alpers, and the smallest Alper, Alper TC, has always been a product that. Uh, I've loved to show without a rear and without a lens as this simple frame, light tight frame, to put a medium on the rear and an optic on the front. And yeah. fundamentally, that is that is what just we are, a light type box. It's yeah. just a connector. Um, and I think we've, we've all felt that, that Alpa TC was the purest and simplest we've got. And I think, you know, Whilst the Hasselblad 907 clearly contains a few more bells and whistles and contacts, uh, electronic contacts, than the uh, Alpa certainly does, I think they've also trumped its lens in the size of it. It's even yeah. slimmer. Yeah. And of course, whilst it's designed fundamentally there with an X fitting for their X series lenses, we all they already have for their X series camera an adapter for H, an adapter for V lenses, even an adapter for X-Pan. And once you have that three, particularly the V-series lenses, we all know how many third yeah. parties there are out there with alternative adapters Mami, to other things. Bronica. Exactly. Yeah. And you um, were mentioning about the possibility of using some of these old classical classical lenses. Well, in a way, this is a perhaps a good moment to, to talk about the, uh, the whole ecosystem of medium format photography and large mm -hmm. format photography and how, uh, you know, in a in an era where we we do need to be thinking about uh, about our activities, our carbon footprint, our responsibilities as photographers, uh, it's actually really exciting to see products emerging that actually make that possible. Mm. Um, I think many of us have a batch of old lenses that might be large format, they might be medium format system lenses, Bronica, Contax, mm. Pentax, uh, which are still great lenses, great optics, uh, and they and these new technologies allow mm. them to be repurposed rather than having to go out and buy new kit all the time. Rather than going, yeah. how, um, how can we find ways of adapting some new kit, digital capture kit, yeah. uh, using existing optics? Absolutely, and we, you know, this is a, a continuing story in that progression, I think. So, you know, we, we saw Cambo, I think, really is the main first pla platform with the actors. Mm -hmm. 
that allowed mirrorless cameras on the rear to really work succinctly so well with an alternative of adapters on the front from Canon, Nikon, Hasselblad, you know, Mamiya. Um, so they were the first one who re really did take into consideration a good, good, good cross-platform. And uh, I think what this allows to do, the, this, the digital back, is being V-fit, we are now looking at recycling the old Hasselblad bodies. Um, because it's V-fit, there is now a possibility to put this digital bag on a Bronica camera, on a Mira Z camera. You know, and so not only the front of optics coping with the sensor, but actually what what middle part, what other, what other boxes yeah. can we put on? And that goes again with what else is out there in that cupboard? And uh, I'm I'm so happy and love this diverse diverse world of you know cross cross platforms. It's we talked a little bit last night. What actually the only thing that we struggle with at the moment is there's so many options that we can go to yeah. from the past. We don't always know which ones are going to be not quite so good to cope with a large sensor. Yeah, surprisingly good. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah, <laughs> or of course surprisingly good, but might not have an image circle to cover it. Yeah, I mean clearly if it's designed originally for roll film, then happy days. We've got coverage of a thirty-three by forty-four sensor and some, uh, and we're going to be fine. But, but there, there's uh, there are many thirty-five mil lenses that own. will cover mm. um, a a uh, slightly smaller six four five size mm. sensor, and even six four five sensors as well. But of course, there's just nothing out there to gauge this because they were all made clearly for a fixed box. Yes, they never needed to disclose or, or give what their image circles were. Uh, yeah. So there is an element of trial and error. But I do almost feel the people I I sell to that I talk to in this world part of part of the enjoyment is the research and the. Perhaps somebody, needs a, somebody needs a little database of all these cameras yeah. and how they work with sensors. And yes, all. bringing everyone together yes. to share the information. But I don't know if anybody remembers the Hasselblad flex body of, yeah. uh, about 20 years yeah. ago. Well, I do remember that at the time the idea was that you used existing V-series Hasselblad lenses mm -hmm. on that. And yeah. Hasselblad actually published uh, the image circle of all their lenses, all of which were different, by the way. Yes. So, yes, um, yes. you know, to, so to give you an idea of how much offset uh, you could you could use with mm -hmm. that body, mm -hmm. because there was both the uh, the uh, the option of shifting and mm -hmm. uh, and also tilting, mm -hmm. um, and yeah, but that's exactly the sort of thing that people will have fun finding out as well. I know. So last Friday, um, bless them, Hasselblad kindly came down. Um, to our little cockle shed in Leon C and, and came down with the X1D Mark II, which which is beautiful, that's great, uh, great new improvements to that. And of course, all of the inside of that is basically transferred over into the CFE, the new CFE too. Um, and I was putting it on an Alpa, put it on Leon, put it on the Cambo. It was, it was, yeah, pure ultimate toy for me last week. We were all just sitting in the showroom just having a good And, what, and what's made this new as well is the inclusion of an ele electronic shutter. Uh, well, the electronic shutter, yeah, again, the technology they've carried over from the X1D. So um, we got a, even in the Mark One X1D, uh, uh, there was a software upgrade that allowed the electronic shutter. It's uh, 
It's been well, a little while. Hasselblad have had it now. Uh, sorry, Phase One have had it. Well, a I, I was going to say, really, yeah, we really have should have a, a, a shout out for Phase here because um, I'm a lucky owner of a, of a Phase One 100 megapixel um, full frame 645, and that is a f fantastic piece of kit. Absolutely. I used it for about a year before daring to turn on the electronic shutter, yeah. so I had my usual <laughs> rig of cables and cable releases. Uh, and and then I don't know. It was a conversation with Eric, I think, at the photography show. I said, "Have you tried the electronic shutter yet?" And I embarrassingly said, "Well, I'm not really." And uh, and I went home, turned it on, and tried it. And apart from the issue of having to do a black reference exposure, mm. it's a, a piece of cake to use. It means that in many ways it's it pre it precedes what Hasselblad are doing with the CFE because you you can use it with almost any imaginable camera without any cables mm. um, it just doesn't have a tilting uh, yeah. uh, screen absolutely uh, yeah. which is a you know would be nice but anyway it, it has it's a, and it's a brilliant piece of kit so, so for our subscribers essentially what we have is is the ability to put a lens directly in front of the sensor and as long as it's light tight the sensor can take the picture without a shutter. Exactly, so we can have shutterless lenses, so anything that required triggering via a body or, absolutely. or whatever, yes. yeah, absolutely. there are no limitations of yeah, this. Yeah, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. Is it? Yeah. Have you found any limitations, would you say, in using that internal electronic shutter over a classic mechanical shutter? Where would you say the, the boundary? Only the black only the black reference explosion, which yeah. is the uh, everything else. Uh, you can literally imagine having a lens with with a, um, a butterfly diaphragm and and nothing else because uh, to do the black reference all you need is a black card mm. to cover the lens and you just literally have to click one single button on the back and that just finishes the exposure it's a bit like putting the mm. dark slide back in the film uh, slider um, in in a large format film, it's the same as uh, a sort of long long exposure noise reduction. It's a, exactly frame thing. Yes, thing, that's yes. the best way of describing mm. it. You just have to. If but if you have a classic copal or compost shutter, you can also use uh, the yes the internal shutter of the uh, of the lens, and that's often what you do. Now the only downside of that is sometimes you forget to open it again <laughs> yeah. for the next exposure. Uh, so you do a, sometimes end up with a few blanks. So you have to get into the habit. Mm. In, into it's habituating the right mm. workflow. But on uh, overall, uh, I see it as a huge advance. And sorry, out of interest, what would be your what would excite you most? What camera would you put it on, or what camera would you like to put it on? And lens in front of this new sensor. Lens, okay. Yeah. So so you you so the middle bit we've discussed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What lens? Oh, no. Or camera. I mean, either way, it's just what, what, what most excites you for the use of this new sense. Um, you know, I if I didn't need camera movements, seeing this digital back on a 503 is just, that's what I would walk out the door with. Uh, I'm, and, and by the way, I'll, I'd agree. And, and I'd it's say stunning. that if I was going to go down that route, it would, because it's so small, yeah. you can imagine, you know, climbing that, taking that up a mountain. Yeah. No problem. Be, be like taking a medium-sized SLR with one prime Absolutely. lens. Yes. So, so you would either go that route, or you would simply have that with the 907X little frame, mm. and then, well, then what do we do? Whatever well, you want on the front. Whatever you know, whatever you want on the front, really, isn't it? You know, um, and I, I sort of think, okay, so if I had, if I had an X lens, I've got my latest technology you know, sharpest, I mean, we've got an 
f1.9 as well yes we just looked at that didn't we yes um and actually for me it would be okay so i've got that at 80 let me now put a an early cfe lens 80 millimeter and let's actually look at let's try and determine this feel that we talked about this character that's so difficult to describe to anyone um you know and and yeah moves us on so i think the whole fun and the whole point Mm. is that you can create your own style and your own your own personality in your images you know and um yeah, we talked a little bit earlier, didn't we? This is a 33 by 44 sensor, not necessarily the 4054. It's 50 million pixel. And I feel it's almost like uh, within the smaller cameras, you talked about seeing a settling of 24 million pixels. Yes, this is when we were talk- talking about how many megapixels do we need and the, and the, the DSLR. Uh, consumer end of DSLR market seems to have settled on 24, 24 million pixels. And of course, I think in the medium format sensor, Joe, particularly, you know, we're, mm. you've got the 100, uh, we're now at the 150, uh, quite a lot of top technology change there. And I think there's this, there's been for quite a while this pressure to almost pixel chase, you know, mm. a, and now, as you say, settling at 24 million uh, there, um, I think. I hope that there's becoming more awareness uh, with the with photographers to say, okay, actually, I do only need 50 million. I do only need 24 million. I don't need that headache. I don't need to make that investment in what new new computers, new yeah. printers, I mean, what, new. What is the TIFF file size of a hundred megapixel? Uh, in 16-bit form, it's about 650 mm-hmm. megabytes. Yeah, getting on for mm-hmm. a gigabyte a picture. Yeah, no. that's a that's a hundred. So the one fifty is is going to yeah, be almost a gig. I mean, let yeah. you know. Let's not write it off here. We know that there's a very important place for that technology, yeah. and it's much needed. And it, we should keep going with it. And there are sides of the industry that absolutely demand it, need it, and uh, are most welcome. It's there. But for a lot of us, what we do with our end image doesn't require that level well, we, we've, and if it doesn't you know my person please we, we've don't done go there. we've done some of the testing with print sizes um and we, we did a big digital against film camera comparison a while ago and we we tested the 80 megapixel uh, mm. phase and i couldn't print a picture big enough i had to print little samples of the picture to test how, how it looked against the 54 for instance which was a similar look at these maximum picture sizes uh, and it ended up about a three meter by four meter picture. Mm. Uh, at a resolution you can still walk up to and still still see fine detail. When you go up to 150 megapixels, we're looking mm. at a print the size of a side of a building that you can stick your nose against. And and we were chatting about um, you've done quite a few pr- large prints for people. Um, I tried to send a um, what would have been a seven gigabyte file to a printer's once, and the printers didn't know what to do with it. And we we both think that printers probably downsize them when oh, they get they undoubtedly do I, I there's mm. uh, there's a, a lot to be said for having large large files uh in theory uh and in practice though it's notable that that for phase when they when introduced the 150 a lot of the emphasis is put on the fact that you can then almost sample that the the image and take bits out of it take rather rather than you know the, look at look at the image quality because quite frankly the image quality you don't for most people they are not going to need that for sure mm. I mean I've been lucky enough to have commissioned work 
blown up to large sizes, as you say, Tim. And uh, and in public spaces, uh, you obviously want to do the best that you can do, uh, and it helps to have that resolution. But uh, it's just so unnecessary for most mm. applications. I mean, uh, let's face it: if you think of how most of us consume photography, it's in magazines and books, mm. uh, and. And that really means A3, you know, double page spread in a magazine, or mm. there or thereabouts. Which is uh, about a 12 megapixel file uh, yeah. for a double page spread. Yeah, at 300 yeah. Uh, DPI. Yeah, or if um, we're in an exhibition, mm. it's A2 maybe. A classic yeah. case of this is the Wildlife Photographer of the Year exhibition, mm. which I, I help with. Uh, and when they have their exhibition, they blow up to A2 and A1 on backlit Durotrans mm. um, because it's wildlife nearly every single picture is taken on a DSLR mm. and mostly sm smaller resolutions so we're talking I would say most of them under 24 megapixels uh, and a few of them taking bigger ones and some have been cropped and and quite a few have been cropped yeah yeah <laughs> sorry I just had to get that in there yeah <laughs> no we actually have a, we have a rule that says they can't crop more than more than a quarter of the picture because some people are taking a, a frame yeah. and taking a, literally one quarter of it and submitting it um but it, it looks fine and people go around and are amazed at the pictures mm. and, and of course I, that's a very interesting sentence it looks fine yes and uh you know, you do get a lot of conversations now where actually the photographer on a personal level, you know, as you say, you always want to achieve your best. You want the, the ultimate quality and we have, it goes along with that almost, you know, pixel search that we has been in our lives for the last, I don't know, 20 years now, really particularly that crazy. Whether that's any different going back however many years when we went from 35 mil to medium format to 4 by well. 8 interesting you should mention that I because know. I actually think that it's exactly the same yeah. uh, if you look back in time uh, in many ways when uh, you know before digital emerged in in the sort of uh, late 1990s really uh, in practical terms yeah uh, those of us shooting film were you could you could do most things frankly with 35 millimeter uh, good quality lenses and good quality mm. slow films but there were still a lot of us who wanted to do more and so we ended up shooting five by four or sometimes 10 by eight. Yeah. And that, it, it, a different kind of paradigm. And of course we can't go to 10 by eight in digital, but uh, th th there's, that's where there is this aspirational desire among photographers. And well, just as well there is for you, Paula, right? Absolutely, <laughs> yes, not denying that at all. And funny enough what you're saying, so even if we went back to analog uh, and you were saying, you know, you're, Five, four, ten by eight, thirty-five mil, and I relate that. I get asked quite a lot now by photographers. Uh, say, I've got a latest Canon DSLR. I'm considering moving to a medium format sensor. My largest image sizes are A1. Am I going to see a difference? Am I going to notice? And you know you could almost like that's that was exactly the same in the analog world between your four five and your 35 mm. mil and it's an interesting argument isn't it it a lot of it is is there a feel is that because if i feel that there's a i feel there's a feel <laughs> about the difference between these images um that you can't necessarily you can't put on paper and describe to that photographer probably i'm sure tim in your perfect analytical world you will tell me there's no difference 
I if I looked at st- if I looked technical information, I'm sure you'd tell me there's no difference. Yeah, between between the different formats. Between yeah, an, an A1 image taken on a 24 million pixel DSLR or yeah. 30 million two A. 50 million pixel on a I, 33 I, by 44. I defy my, anybody to see the difference in a print. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Not that size. But also, what do you think, but, but if, well, I, I see, I, I think that, well, I think there is a difference, but I, <laughs> is it, it, can you actually describe it? That That's that's harder. And I think yeah. it's, it's quite likely that a lot of people, uh, of, of the audience, let's say, might not be able to tell the difference. And you could argue that it doesn't matter. If they can't see it, then it doesn't matter. Mm. But I think it's important for the photographer, for the photographer. to feel that they're, uh, that they're doing their best, um, mm. whatever that might mean. Uh, I actually think more and more as the years have gone by for me that a lot of it is simply the degree of immersion that I feel in the process. So uh, while image quality obviously matters a lot to me, I think that the reason I still love to use a big camera and a big sensor is because it, it forces me to slow down, to consider, to be extremely selective about, mm. about what I do. And, and there's a struggle. Uh, it might sound odd to say that, but mm. actually part of the joy of photography is a struggle. Mm. And maybe that's a meditative which thing. Are, which are many of the comments that large format 5.4 users say when they, when they take photographs with them. It's, it is harder. They can't take as many pictures, but they spend more time working on the pictures they do take because yeah. of it. And there's and a, the, you know, there's also, uh, well, we can say harder. I think we can also say the pleasure to be derived from that. Mm. You know, if you're, um, if you're sitting there, and whether that be with Hasselblad X1D or the digital back on an Alpo, whether that be with a 5.4 or a 10 by 8, if that is what inherently gives you pleasure in taking your image, I've always maintained that's a, the firm end result of that is it will show in your image. Hmm. I think that's absolutely true. I, I, I think that one of the, uh, you know, if we, if we look back as well as forward here, uh, when I was uh, much younger, <laughs> I realised that the work of photographers that I was drawn to was, was were almost all the photographers I really, really admired were using large format. Mm. And I think that the that the reason for that is the is that eye for composition, and that it's not that there weren't brilliant photographers using thirty five and maybe medium format. Uh, cameras in the hand there were um, and I admired their work too but the compositional aspect it seemed as if large format photographers had a special kind of magic uh, to their photography and I think a lot of that it may be reserving the image upside down on the ground glass screen but I think a lot of it is also just the time the time spent studying the subject the very fine little Mm. relationships that you find yourselves yourself pursuing Mm. uh, when when you're looking at the world uh, with the eye of, of somebody who's trying to discern and trying to distill a single moment, a single idea into one single frame. Well, well, here's a question for both of you because you you own probably more diverse photo systems oh than, than many people. <laughs> but you, but you, you, have, you have a 10.8 camera, 5.4 camera, a technical, uh, technical camera, a bellows, camera the Linhoff Techno, yeah. uh, you've used a digital back on a Hasselblad, you use the Sony, um, you also Close use on. the phone. Yeah, um, use the phone a lot. Yeah, and 
does that do you take different pictures with all those different systems because i see lots of people owning lots of systems now people with high-end cameras still taking lots of pictures of phones yeah etc and do you think it's instead of people getting better and better they're just having more more diverse tools and does, <laughs> does it affect the photography yes well i mean that's a it's <laughs> a very insightful question uh i think that I, I would say that although i i love my phone as a camera i really do i think that they're extraordinary and computational imaging has taught us a lot but i i think that i use my phone as a sketchbook and and all the other cameras are as effectively a a kind of uh a, a small easel, let's say, with a with a, a little canvas, uh, all the way up to a big easel with a big oh, canvas. Yes. Uh, if you think of, of, let's say, the face on the Linov Techno, uh, that's but, the that's how I think of it. And do you um, notice a difference in the pictures? In the that you pictures, take with them? yes, I do. Between, uh, let's I, say, the Sony and well, the there's a big, Linhoff. there is a difference in quality. Uh, you know, and I'll I'll talk a little bit about that if you if you like but yeah. uh, it's more about the, the style way, of picture I the say. way well the way of seeing isn't so different yeah so i think you, you know if you look at the pictures i make with a phone the, the ideas of composition and light are fundamentally the same because i only have one way of seeing really mm -hmm. i'd like to think it's reasonably broad-minded um but the, the qualities are are to do with color subtlety uh, and also rendering. So these are, these are, mm. without wishing to sound elitist, these are connoisseurs' kind of mm. attitudes. That I think perhaps many people wouldn't mind or, or care. The main thing is the idea and the picture. Mm. But if, if you're interested in the way that focus separates, for example, from the out of focus to the in focus areas, uh, if you're interested in the finesse of color, so that the, the color transitions are completely seamless and completely natural looking, Generally, I feel that the bigger the better. Mm. Yes, and it, you know, and also going back to what we were saying about whatever you're happy, whatever gives you pleasure, taking that image with. It's, you don't exactly wake up in the morning and go, "This is a this is an iPhone day." I can't wait to go. Out with I can't my wait to go out really with my phone. Like yeah. Whereas you might wake up, and Pat's not so much nowadays. But you might wake up and go, "You know what? Actually, I'm not going to walk more than twenty yards from my house. This is a ten eight day." As yeah, opposed, you yeah. know, whatever. It's or I might go into the mountain and therefore I'm going to take uh, Sony or uh, Sony. Exactly. Nikon or whatever. And, it, yeah. um, and obviously not when mm. everyone has that pleasure of, of many cameras. But, you, you know, if you if you were to put yourself in an ideal world and be able to say, OK, well, I'm going to wake up in the morning and look at the weather and decide what medium is that day, what do I want to take? And you had the choice of all of those. It would never be your phone. <laughs> yeah. Do your do your yeah. consumers, your clients, have multiple systems they use? Yes, yes, yeah. very much so. So that's a common thing. Absolutely. Yeah. In fact, I've just. Uh, Phew. <laughs> yes, you're not the yes. only one, Joe. And I've got, I've just lent uh, a lens to a good customer of mine, uh, the brand new Rodenstock lens. We haven't talked too much about technology, have we? So, uh, the latest two lenses to come out of Rodenstock are floating floating elements. So the new one three eight. Um, millimeter HR lens, uh, quite a quite a different design of them. Clearly, a setting totally new standards in uh, optical quality. Um, and at the moment, we're in this little flux where, oh, this is strange. It's it's obviously got no shutter, and it doesn't go through a lens panel like we traditionally did. So Linhoff haven't quite caught up with the mount for it, and Cambo have caught up with the WRS mount, but not the Actus. Alpa are yeah. nearly there. Um, but I thought, okay, so I, I have a lone one. It was in an electronic shutter on an alpha mount. And I have a guy who 
has the latest Alper FPS. Mm. He has film. Uh, he has a little actus that he will put an alternative on. Yes. And and so I thought, well, actually, this is the guy I can happily send this to, who can try it on a few few different systems until my other mounts arrive. Um, but yeah, and and I have so many now. Um, going back to film not going back to film necessarily totally yeah although I, I have some but are embracing it again as, as, as an aspect of their work yeah, as yeah. well very healthily Interesting. and delighted so, to say mm. also those addressing it for the first time oh, wow. let's not forget the youth of today who I think mm. are searching for that you know, we talked earlier about that that unique feel or that uh, creating something in your image that is unique to you and whether that by be by alternative lenses with alternative platforms and yes. whatever so, um, so, sorry Paul these new, mm. so you reckon uh, just really interested to know the film media that these photographers are, are tending to concentrate on are we talking colour negative colour transparency black and white negative I would say mainly uh, we're talking mainly black and white you know I would right. say probably the ratio for me and it might not be relevant to another another supplier um, but I would say my larger format my, my certainly my 1080 all of these are, are black and white fine art photographers right. amateurs who who just enjoy the pleasure and the who journey process their own of analog yeah um, who are processing their own and it yeah. goes again hand in hand with that time in the landscape that pleasure of creating that image absolutely not all landscape yeah. a lot of actually if I think that last week it's been a lot of still life yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably more. You know, they're saying, okay, actually, I'm sixty percent still life, but yes, I like to get out in the landscape. Um, but as I say, yeah, very encouraging. This this new younger generation who uh, not only are loving vinyl again, but clearly loving yeah. analog. And I, I was quite pleased when you said the camera manufacturers are still making film cameras. Uh, so Lotus uh, still making view cameras. Lotus from clearly only make yeah. view cameras, and they are all still handmade on a commune. And, in Austria yeah. and uh, depending on your order and how you would like it 10 8s generally don't take too long to come through three or four weeks yeah um, and how I'm many, how many of those are you selling I mean how many of these big 10 8s well uh, I think I said to you, you know if I think about we looked at grass this morning of yeah. the dip of yeah. analog you know so there was a time when I probably didn't sell a, a lotus for a year you know or two or, and where are we here June uh, eight. Yeah, it's eight, not eight yeah. new ten eight cameras going out. Mm, no, then let's not forget the two eleven fourteens that. Oh, eleven fourteens as the well. Fourteen by seventeen. Oh, wow. and, okay. uh, and and a five four and a five seven. So, yeah. uh, and funny enough, I would say what well, I probably only sold, sold one five four Lotus. Okay, so people are really interested because in these I think ultra large formats, particularly with Lotus, it's yeah. it is more about that. Um, I think people want to create artifacts, don't they? There's, there's this idea of having a, uh, an end product as an artistic artifact, yeah. and, and film goes some way to satisfying that yeah. creative urge in people. Absolutely. Well, I and think it also, especially black and white, because it remains a very natural way to work. I think, you know, especially when we're talking contact printing, presumably, I, I wonder how many of these people are putting their 14 by 17 inch negatives into an enlarger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's only one enlarger uh, yeah, that goes up to those sizes in, in Europe. Um, and that Greek, is, you know, I'm sure we all remember those eight contact printing. I mean, it's an absolute, it's an absolute pleasure. Oh, it it's a beautiful well. medium. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and in terms of by four, you know, I mean, let's not forget Linhoff, 
So Lynn Hoff, we move forward clearly with digital platforms, yeah. uh, uh, cameras to put your face on and your Hasselblad digital backs on. Um, but what's the what's the main Linhoff camera I've probably been selling more of in the last two years? Linhoff Master Technica. Master Technica. Sold. Because yeah. if you're going to have a 5.4 and actually you want a camera now that is, you know, if you're going back to analogue, readdressing this, let's clearly also mention, and if you have, are oh, fortunate enough to have the budget yes. uh, for all of this, um, then what is the camera that pretty much covers everything you're going to want to do yes. is going to outlive you, that it is going to be a Linhoff Master Technica. Yeah, whether you want to hand hold it, use the rangefinder, yeah, whatever you want to do, it's a protective box. It's and it's beautiful. And actually, now with with, uh, with if you want to use a digital back on it, digital mm -hmm. with uh, with live view, especially the new BSI illuminated um, sensors, then then presumably there's a panel, is there that that just fits totally, directly yeah, onto the camera? Just so. And remove your ground glass screen and uh, generally an adapt you yeah. know, I always say, I mean, God, you could you could put a digital back on a ten eight if you wanted to. It is simply mm. an adapter. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the nice thing about the Master Technica is the, the lenses go very, very close to the ground glass on them. Is that right? Uh well, you know, there's a housing to take into consideration. Yeah. And I do have I if I had a pound for probably every time since digital came about that I have said it is a world of adapters, you could put a digital back pretty much on anything yeah. makes it sound so easy and now let's address the other end and look at lenses because you know your your standard lens of 5.4 once you put is a 150 and once you mm. put a mm. you know, sensor on it that's a that's a really long lens and of course these cameras are really only designed to go down to you know 72 which is an extreme wide yeah. mm. and it's uh, so going back 10-15 years your equivalent lens would have been a 35, 35 on a 40 by 54 sensor. And that really wasn't an easy place to get to on, on any 5.4, let alone yeah. a technical with a housing um, to take into consideration. But of course, now we've got these Rodenstock HR lenses. One of the reasons for their success is they sit further away from the sensor than their given focal length. Yeah. That puts them therefore nicely back on the track where a wide angle would have sat and uh, so that there are always ways yeah so it's again that options. whole cross so many options so many oh. options love it yes <laughs> well thank you very much to Joe and Paula for uh, a very interesting chat I'll, oh. I'll put some links to these products uh, on the end of the article and get people to watch the Hasselblad advert oh yes do it's uh, yeah I'm sure a pleasure uh, a walk down memory lane for many of us <laughs> thank you <laughs> till next time cheers